Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. And I'm back, and I've got some exciting stuff in store for you. I mean, you you picked the right Sunday. Uh, We've got an amazing guest speaker today, all the way from Long Beach, California. And I'll tell you more about her. Y'all are really excited about Long Beach, aren't you? And uh, you're you're, you're in for a treat. I've already been through the first service and just profoundly impacted personally, but I'm excited. You know, God's just so strategic in how he aligns things. He really is. I just want to take a moment to tell you about something that is even more important to me than our upcoming move and anything going on. And I need you to know that my wife and I spend a lot of time praying for you as individuals, praying for our church, for our region. And in the end of 2017, we go away at the end of every year and just pray for what God wants to do the next year. And God just dropped this burden on our heart to make sure in 2018, we make an impact in the foster community and begin something and stick with it. Uh, And so one of the things that we've had the privilege of doing is coming alongside and partnering with our guest speaker and her husband, Noemi and Josh Chavez. They throw a conference every year and she'll tell you more about that. And we financially are part of that. And this year we're gonna help bring volunteers to that. But we also have been given a great opportunity to partner with uh, an, an amazing organization right here in South Orange County called Safe Families. And this is a unique organization because it's preventative to foster care. What Safe Families does is it creates a safe place for families and kids who are on the verge of going into the foster care system. And I'm learning more about this, and and Pastor Noemi is going to share even more in a moment. But when we can help impact the foster care, we actually affect crime rate and we affect uh, individuals who are on, uh, so susceptible to being a, kind of exchanged into human trafficking and other horrible avenues. And so this is an opportunity for us to get in on the, the front end of this and help make a difference. So what they do is they create a safe, short-term care for, home, for kids in homes. And that empowers, uh, say, families to help single moms, 99% of the families that are affected by this are single moms. It empowers them to equip these moms with tools to get their families back on a healthy track again. And so the part that we play is in creating a network of families that can help take care of these kiddos. So let me tell you what that looks like. It's twofold. Number one, there are some of you in this room who say who, who would play the part of what could be a host home. And you would be a family or or individuals who actually would help keep the kids based upon what you can commit to. So maybe it's for a couple of hours. Maybe it's for a couple of days or a weekend or a few weeks. And then others of you in this room might be able to not not be able to help take care of kids in your home, but you can be a part of the support to the host families. And you come around those host families and you provide meals when they get kids or diapers or all kinds of things. So this is an amazing community of faith that we get to be the practical, tangible needs for children and families who are on the verge of getting into a system that is just fragmented and broken. So here's what I'd ask. I'm not asking for you to commit 100% to this, but some of you in this room, you, you already can kind of feel a little tug on the inside. And I would challenge you, if you're even remotely interested, we've got an interest meeting coming up this week. And I just want you to text the word SAFE to the number that's on our screen. You don't have to commit. Just be interested. 
and just come and listen. And maybe you can't even make it on the 30th. That's okay. Just text the word safe. We'll do another meet. We'll do whatever we got to do. Because here's, here's the thing. We're not just going to talk about bringing change. We're going to be the change. And this is an opportunity for us to make a profound impact in the lives of those that are marginalized and overlooked and forgotten and who need people to just come in and bring some hope. So text the word SAFE. Uh, and the Pastor Noemi is going to talk a little bit about this today and give you even some more insight. But, man, if you've ever listened to a charge, an encouragement from us, this is one of the big ones on my heart for this year specifically. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to do it. So I just challenge you, even if you're remotely interested, text the word SAFE and come check out the interest meeting. And let's see what we can do to make an impact. Amen? Well, I'm excited. Listen, there are only a few people in our lives, mine and my wife, Megan, who, who are not just friends, but are family. And uh, Pastor Josh and Noemi Chavez, they pastor a great church in Long Beach. And, and they're on the cutting edge of impacting a community every time I talk to them. And they're people who pastor people and impact the community and don't just one or the other. And they're the kind of people that are pajama friends. You have those that you can be in your pajamas. You don't care what you look like and you can just be real and authentic. You have friends like that? If you don't, we want to help you. And Pastor Josh and Noemi are like that. And so, man, when we knew that we were going to talk about safe families, and there's nobody who has a bigger heart for the foster community. And, and more than that, man, just leading the, the charge on this. So we've asked good friends of ours, Noemi Chavez. I say ours because she's one of my, my wife's best friends. Would you guys do me a favor and welcome to the stage, Pastor Noemi Chavez. Good morning, Movement family. So happy to be with you guys. Um, I love to worship with you guys and, and just see what God is doing here. And I am so grateful for both Carrie and Megan because they are they are like pajama friends for sure. Um, Megan, I've only known for about five or six years only because I like to have friends in my life for a very long time, forever. And Megan has become not just a friend that kind of like, oh, we became acquaintances because we're both pastor's wives. No, Megan just like made her way into my life and into my heart and she's like a sister to me. So I am grateful for her friendship and I'm grateful for um, your church. And I am, you're going to hear me talk a little bit about what we do with uh, foster care, but I do want you to know, if you don't know, that your church has partnered with us and they have contributed and um to brave, and I'll talk about that during my message this morning, but I'm grateful for the movement, church, that you understand that God's heart is not just about one space or place, but about the kingdom, and that it's bigger than one church, and God's house is uh, moving and impacting in different places and spaces. So today I get to talk to you about love, and I think love is a wonderful thing to talk about because we here get to apply the word love to so many things in our country, right? Because we use the word love for just about anything. I mean, I could talk about love um, if I'm describing like the plate of spaghetti in front of me, but I could also apply it to my children, right? Like love. Um, I can apply it to a worship experience or to my husband's cologne. Like I could apply love to a lot of things, but today we're going to specifically talk about God's love. So I want you to go with me to the book of 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, and it says, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. For, so you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. Can you say the word showed? 
So um, this is how he showed. God sent his only son into this world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that once upon a time loved God, but the he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice clear to clear away our sins and the damage we've done in our relationship with him. So I love this idea that it's not a once upon a time kind of love, but it is a constant pursuing, persistent kind of love. And the scriptures describing to us that in order for us to even claim to know God, we have to love and, and display this love. And then I want us to go together to the book of John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. It says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, you know, when we talk about God's love, we, we can't sit here and say to people, you need to love each other the way God loves you unless you actually know how God has loved you. And the kind of love that we already know from the first scripture is that God loved us enough that he would send his son to die on a cross to carry the weight of our sin upon his shoulders that we might receive God's goodness and, and his salvation. But we get so much more in God's love. You know, from the beginning of creation, when he made Adam and Eve, the Bible says that he created this beautiful garden, the Eden, for them to live in. But he also made his way into spending time with them regularly the bible says so his love was not just a love that said i love you and i made this for you now enjoy it it was like i've made this for you now let's enjoy it together and the way that he expressed love in the beginning of time with his creation was by being present with them so his love was never something that was just expressed through poetry or words or a nice song it was a love that not only provided us with an expression but an action so God's love is truly, truly a verb, right? God's love produces and it gives. And we're going to see how some of the scriptures um, describe this kind of love for us. Because until we understand the way he loves us, then we can't love others. Because he's saying, love each other the way I have loved you. So let's look at how he's loved us. In Luke chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus speaking about Jerusalem and the people of Israel. He says, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you won't let me. I love this scripture because it gives us a picture of God constantly trying to gather us unto himself. A love that constantly is pursuing. And, and, and what's awesome about this verse is that it says how many times. Like when you think about it, how many times did, did it take for God to actually finally get your attention where you would actually respond to it, right? How many times did your friend invite you to the Bible study or to church? How many times did, did somebody say, can I pray for you? How many times did somebody say, hey, you should come to the women's gathering? Or how many times did, did somebody say, I'll grab coffee with you and, and I'll share with you what I've been through and let you know what God has done and, I, and maybe it might help you? How many times did somebody text you on a Sunday morning and say, hey, maybe you should come to church with me. I mean, my church is pretty awesome. My pastor's funny and his wife is full of wisdom. I mean, how many times did it happen? Like how many times? And, and Jesus is speaking to Jerusalem and to the people of Jerusalem. He's saying, how many times have I not tried to gather you unto myself? Because God's love is a God that constantly pursues us. He doesn't get tired of saying, 
Will you come and be in relationship with me? Will you give me the opportunity to be your Lord? Would you give me the opportunity to heal you? Will you give me the opportunity to be in relationship with you? So how many times? Then Isaiah 66, 13 says, I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. I love that God says, I understand the way a woman comforts because I made her. And so I will comfort you. I mean, there's nothing more amazing than for somebody to bring comfort to you when you are in pain, whether it's emotionally or physically. Have you ever had a surgery before? I had surgery a couple of times in my life from C-sections to others that... You know, when you're laying in that bed for a very long time, when the nurse comes or maybe a family member is visiting and they move that pillow that's in your back, maybe about an inch up, it's like, man, it makes a huge difference. You're like, and all I did was move the pillow like an inch up or they move the bed slightly down. And all of a sudden you feel this comfort in your body because somebody cared enough to do something to deal with the pain that you're going through. And, and God is speaking to his people and he's saying, I am a comforter. When he says he's a comforter, he's letting us know we're going to go through times where we need comfort. There are going to be moments when you're going through things that are really difficult and painful. There are going to be moments in life when you're going through crisis, where you're going through disappointment, where you're going through heartache, where you're going through challenges, whether it's with your job or, or with your family members or, or with a loved one. And he's saying, I am the one who comforts. I am the one who will make you feel better while you're going through this season. I am the one who heals. I am the one who restores. I am the comforter. You know, then Psalm 34, 18 says this. He is near the brokenhearted. Now, I love that scripture because broken hearts come in various forms. You know, broken hearts sometimes come because life happens, right? Your heart gets broken because you lost the job of your dreams and you're aching because of it. Because things changed in the company and your heart is broken because you thought you were going to be in this place forever. Your heart is broken because you lost a loved one. And so he is near us when we are brokenhearted. But then sometimes our heart is broken because we make choices in life. How many of you can agree that sometimes we're responsible for our own broken heart? Because we chose to be in relationship or enter into a space that was not going to be healthy for us. And because we made a choice that was outside of God's will and his plan for our lives, our hearts were broken. But the scripture says he is near the brokenhearted. It doesn't say he's near the brokenhearted only to those who life happens to. No, if your heart is broken, he's near. If your heart is aching, he's close. And so the, how does God show his love is that when, when we don't even feel worthy of him being near us, he is near. He comes close to us. So his love is not a love that simply comes around when we are on our A game for our faith, right? His love is not only strong for us. It's not only pursuing us. He's not only comforting us. He's not only coming near us when we have it together. His love is faithful. It is true. It is always pursuing us, always chasing after us, always knocking at the door of our hearts, always saying, will you let me in? Will you invite me into the season? Will you invite me into the space? Because his love is not wavering. His love is constant. It is faithful. And so in that way, he is a protector. You know, sometimes our broken hearts come because, and our aches and our dis, you know, all of the dysfunction that we lead in life and that we have to go through in life because of situations and marriage and work and our kids. Or sometimes these things we find ourselves exhausted by. 
Have you ever been exhausted of loving? You know, God has, his love is so awesome is that it loves us through every season. And so if he loves us that way, then we are called to love others that way because he says, love one another as I have loved you. And sometimes we feel overwhelmed and we're like, I, I don't want to love people through everything because it's exhausting. Uh, you know, maybe you're exhausted because your assignment feels overwhelming in this season. I don't know what your assignment is. I mean, it may very well be your spouse. <laughs> and you're exhausted. It may be your kids. Hey, it might be your parents. It might be your boss. And sometimes you're in a place and a space and you feel like, I don't have the energy to do it, God. I'm exhausted. And his love is so faithful that even when we're overwhelmed by life, he doesn't give up on us. You know, there's this powerful story in the scripture in the book of uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. For those of you who take notes, the Bible tells us about this man named Elijah, and he's a prophet of God. He's a man who speaks God's messages to the people. He's a wonderful leader. He's a powerful leader. He performs sights and all these wonders and incredible things that God does through him, miracles. And so the Bible says that because he is the man that is proclaiming God's truth, um, how many of you know that when you're doing things that honor God, you're not going to have the applause of everyone? So the Bible says that there's this woman who was really angry at what he was saying and what he was doing. And so she basically put out a threat on his life, and she was the queen. I mean, you never want to get a queen angry. I mean, the king, maybe you can handle, but the queen, when she's upset, it's just not pretty. And clearly, Elijah was overwhelmed by her threats because the Bible says that he goes into a cave and he hides. Um... You know, if you look at the scripture, there's something really awesome about the scripture. Because the Bible says that the voice of the Lord goes into the cave and he says to Elijah, what are you doing here? You know, when, when we read through stuff, sometimes we'll miss things unless we pay close attention. Oftentimes we think that when we start running from God, when we feel overwhelmed with the assignment that he's given us, that God's going to be upset or angry with us because we're overwhelmed. And the Bible says that the voice of the Lord went into the cave and spoke to Elijah where he was. He said, what are you doing here? You know, one thing is for, for God to be aware of it. Another thing is for God to step into it. And maybe you feel this day, man, I'm overwhelmed with the assignment to love people the way God loves me because I don't know that I can, but, but God is willing to step into those spaces. You know, he, he didn't go to the cave and stand outside and say, hey, Elijah, you know what? Like, I've done miracles for you, man. I've done so many. You and I have had these talks before. What are you doing? And they're like, I'm done with you, man. Like, when you get your stuff together, you come out and we have a talk. You know, because that's how we would handle it, right? Once we've done something over and over and we're trying to be good to somebody who keeps on. You know, Elijah was a man and he was human at the end of the day. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God went into the cave and he said, hey, what you doing here? How amazing is it that our God is not threatened by our caves? How amazing is that God doesn't say, you know what, I'm over you because your attitude stinks. I've done so many good things for you and you still can't get your stuff together. How amazing is it that when we feel like we're giving up on our marriage or on our kids or maybe on an opportunity and we feel overwhelmed, 
How amazing is it that God will whisper? How amazing is it that when we find ourselves texting people or being in conversations that we shouldn't be in in private messages, that we think, I'm going to go into a little cave and into my own little adventure so that I could deal with my exhaustion. How amazing has it been that when you're texting, you hear the voice of God saying to you, what you doing here? Because God is not threatened. You know, God's love for us is not like this fluffy feather kind of love that shies away and pulls away whenever we are messing up. His love is constant. And he's willing to step into the caves of our lives and he's willing to step into the messes of our lives and he's willing to step even into the spaces where we're beginning to quit our assignment where we're like, I, I think I've got a better idea of what my life can look like if I do things my way once again. And, and God is willing to step into those places because our exhaustion of having to love others or love well is not a threat to him. He wants us to love each other the way he loved us. And scripture has proven to us just by what I read is that his love pursues us constantly. His love brings comfort. His love protects. His love is, is faithful. When we are hurting, when we are aching, he's there. He's present. He is near. As a matter of fact, sometimes we think that when we are hurting because of bad choices, the enemy will use that opportunity to try and convince us. That, oh, you see how you're doing? Exactly. This is why you have nothing to do with God. You shouldn't get close to the Lord. God, and God is saying, when you are hurting the most, for whatever reason, if your heart is broken, I want you to know that that's when I'm closest to you. Because I'm just waiting for you to reach out and touch me. I'm just waiting for you to reach out and talk to me. I'm just waiting for you to give me a chance to, to enter into this conversation for healing, for strength, for courage. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. His children run to him and they are safe. There's nothing that we can do that when we feel overwhelmed by life that we can't run to God. And when we run to God, when we make the choice to run to him and not run into the places that are going to hurt us and damage us, every time that we run to him, we will find the protection that we need. We will find the shade that we need in the middle of the heat of life. We will find the water that we need when we are thirsty, when we feel overcome, when we feel parched by life. Like, man, will I ever get a break? Run to God. His name is a strong tower, and you will be safe. And his love offers us that. And so, therefore, when he tells his disciples, hey, guys, this is how the world will know that you walk with me. This is how the world will know that we are in relationship. Because you will love others the way I have loved you. You will love one another the way I have loved you. So when we understand what God's love looks like, then we understand what the assignment to love others looks like. It's a love that stretches itself beyond the opportunities to quit. It is a love that actually goes beyond the opportunities to walk away. It is a love that says, even when things aren't great or perfect in your life, I choose to be a friend. I choose to stick around. I choose to offer hope to you. I choose to pray with you. I choose to believe in what God is offering to you. Because there's no greater love. The book of John chapter 15 says, there is no greater love than one that lays his life down for his friends. There's no greater love than us laying our life down for a friend. Now, if you're here and you think I'm asking you to take a bullet for somebody, 
Chillax. <laughs> Listen. Nobody's that important, okay? I'm just going to say that right now. It's very few people in this world who actually take a bullet for somebody else. If you're here and you've done that, you are a legend. But let me tell you what laying your life down for a friend actually looks like. Because in this world, for us to truly show love for a brother or a sister or a friend or a coworker or a, a neighbor or a family member, what does it mean to love others the way God has loved us? I'll tell you. It means that in our lives, which are so full, right? Because our lives are full. Our agendas are full. We've got things to do. We've got places to go. We've got work to get done, right? We're, oh, our agenda is full of our dreams and our hopes, all of our work, our, all of our goals, all of our, you know, the, the things that, that take up our space, our job, our career, our education, our family, all the fun things that we want to do with everybody that we care about. Our lives are full. So what does it mean for you and me when God says, love others the way I have loved you because this is how the world will know. How do you love people? Because if there's no greater love than this, than one who lays his life for another. How in California do we lay our lives for another? How do we do that? I'll tell you how you do it. Because maybe on the day that you're going to the movies with all your friends and you're going on this great date and you're going to have a good old time and you're going to have the fine dining and the good food and great laughs and oh, what a wonderful evening I have planned out. And your friend or your neighbor, your cousin calls, and she's having a meltdown because she's a single mom and she's got two kids. And you say, I can do everything that I'm doing tonight another day. I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to watch your kids. And you're going to go to Target. You're going to grab a cart. And you're going to cruise. <laughs> you need that Target therapy in your life? You go ahead and you do that. Here's a Starbucks card, grab a coffee on me, you do that. It means that you're willing to say to all the things that in your life feel like they're so important and valuable and saying, I could do this another time. It means at times that there's a family member who's ill and they're fighting an illness and their kids are overwhelmed and exhausted and you're saying, I need to give somebody a break. And, and you had plans even in that semester, to take 20 units. And you're like, you know what? I could take one less class this semester and lay my life down for my cousin who needs a night, and I could every once in a while go and help her out with her mom or her dad who is sick. Laying your life down actually means you're not taking a bullet, but you're willing to sacrifice things in your life to help and show the love of God to somebody else. You know, when we started, for those of you who were here for... Um, the gathering with the girls, I talked about brave. You know, sometimes we think that in order for us to love people through their messes and their brokenness, it has to be familiar to us. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that way because Jesus is not familiar with the messes of our lives because he was perfect in every way. And yet he engages us, right? And so I remember when um, one of the girls on our team said, hey, you know, we already do outreach to women who are being prostituted on the streets of Long Beach 
we have a drop-in center and we offer even a diversion program. If you've been caught in prostitution and it's on your record, you go through our 10-week program, we go to a judge and we can remove that from your record because if you want to move forward in life, you shouldn't have to carry the burden of a choice that you made because probably you were under a really bad situation to begin with. So we're going to help you out so that you don't have to have that on your record and explain that at every job interview, right? So we have a program for women that are trafficked on the streets, but then we thought, Okay, so what can we do? Because over 80% of the girls that are in prostitution at one point were in foster care. So how can we actually do something before? And I remember just being nervous because I thought, well, I was never in foster care. I mean, I grew up in a home that was maybe not perfect in many ways, but I never had to worry about mom or dad not being there. And whenever things were not good between my parents, we were like a safe family. Latinos were like safe families. Like, if you want to have an argument, we're going to watch the kids, and you guys battle it out. When you're ready, we'll bring them back. Okay? We protect the children from the drama. So, you know, like, I grew up in a safe family, per se. But, you know, this whole idea for me of foster care was foreign. I didn't have no, I never knew people who were in foster care because it wasn't the world I was brought up in. So, when somebody from my team says, hey, why don't we do something as a preventative for girls that are in foster care? Why don't we do a conference for these girls? And we have probation and the Department of Child and Family Services bring girls that are at risk, in trouble already with the law, teenage girls. And I was like, this is crazy. Okay, yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's see how many girls show up. Our first time gathering, we had almost 200 girls show up. And then the next year, we had over 300, then over 400, then over 600. This year, we're preparing to host 800 girls foster care and probation throughout L.A. County. And what we do is we share with them powerful stories of women of God who at one point were in foster care and prostitution who are now successful business owners or lawyers or involved in advocacy, women who are going through the process of healing themselves. Why? Because we want these girls to hear stories of hope. And so this thing caught on, and all of a sudden churches throughout California and other states started calling and saying, hey, can we do this? And so as of December, we started what was Brave Global. And we've literally um, done several Brave conferences throughout the United States. And now we're going to have one in the Congo and Cambodia and Kenya, Moldova and Russia and in Mexico. You know why God does this crazy stuff? Because I'm just a local church girl from Long Beach, California. Because God is waiting for somebody to say yes to him so that he could show himself mighty on their behalf. You know what he's doing is it's, is, is, is he's displaying the fact that he's got freedom for others on his mind. And I remember feeling like this is not, like I don't even know how to do this. Like God, and God began to put all the pieces together and put all the right people in the team. And a few years ago, I went to speak at a pastor's conference and leaders, and one of the women leaders there came up to me afterwards, and she said, you know, I came to faith when I was already an adult, she said, and I fell in love with Jesus, but it took me a long time to forgive the church. She said, for years I was in foster care, and none of the churches in those communities where I walked to and from school ever reached out to me. Like, none of those youth leaders ever reached out. None of those church pastors ever said, hey, we've got something going on here. Come have some frozen yogurt. You know, come have some ice cream with us. Come have some Doritos with tapatio and limon. You know, none of them <laughs> ever did that. And so... 
I wonder in our lives if we say we love God and we've never seen him. And he's saying, and the only way you love me is if you love each other, if you love others. I wonder if, if there will ever be a season in our lives where 10 years down the line, your coworker, your neighbor, your cousin, your grandchild, your friend's daughter comes to faith and says, you know, I went through a lot these last 10 years, and I think my mom's friend was a Christian, but she never invited us to church. I think my, my coworker was a believer, and because she would say she went to church, but she never even invited me once. And she knew I was going through hard things, but she never actually shared the message of hope with me. I wonder if you will have nieces and nephews who will come to faith in college because somebody had the courage to share the gospel, and they say, man, I went through hell in high school. I wish I would have known about Jesus, but my uncle never prayed with me or invited me. And I wonder if in this season, God is calling us to be the church that is actually living out the gospel. See, I don't know when in the history of Christianity, the shift took place where coming to church was about God meeting your emotional needs. I don't know when the shift happened, because if you happen to read the Bible, the early church understood this. You come to faith and you receive Jesus and now you have a treasure that you must share with others because the salvation that's been given to you is so glorious. This treasure that has been put in jars of clay, the book of Corinthians says, it is so that God will receive the glory so that people will see the goodness of what God is able to do in the middle of our brokenness. And so we are able to share this faith and the people of God, the early church literally would gather and assemble in places and then somebody would rat them out and they would have to move to another place and gather there in strength. I love what Pastor Kerry said, the church is not a building, it is a people. So for people who, are, who may be here or maybe in the first service, you know, who are saying, man, we're moving again, this is so much. Like, really? The early church moved because their life and their children's life depended on it. We're moving because now we get to step into a place that's going to give us more weight of influence. I wonder if we think that numbers are what God values and not influence in the city and the community. I wonder if the heart of God is to begin to shift the idea of what government thinks the church is, right? So for our church, since we've been doing brave, probation officers and Department of Child and Family Services calls us and sends us messages whenever they have a need for a family. So I wonder what happens when 911 begins to call the church. When the police says, we need your help. When they say, we need you to step in and do something with us. We need to find a way to come together and provide answers and provide hope. And so you as a church are given this opportunity. And through Safe Families, which our church is now a Safe Family as well. I mean, I'm not even a representative for Safe Families or anything, but here's the thing is that I believe in it. I don't have to be a part of the board in order to believe in what God is doing through Safe Families. And how amazing is it that you as a church and us as a church in Long Beach, we get the opportunity to, to did you know that there's programs that literally give you the opportunity as an individual to get fingerprinted? And there are kids who want to go to church who are in foster care who don't go to church because the foster family doesn't take them to church and they want to go to church. And your job would be to pick them up on Sunday, bring them to church, and then take them to get some food and then drop them off again. And they get to be at church no matter what house they're in. And you get to simply be the person who picks them up and brings them to church. <laughs> Do you realize the gift that that is to that child's life? 
Do you realize they become a part of your family, they become a part of your story, and you become a part of theirs? Do you realize that Safe Families offers that to a, to a mom who feels overwhelmed in life? But our agendas are so full of awesomeness that we feel we cannot tell a mom whose kid is taken away because she leaves them alone for three hours because she has to get to work and she doesn't have anybody else to watch them. And all you would have to do is pick up the kid and make him a quesadilla. I mean, tortilla and cheese, guys, it's so cheap. But hey, this is Orange County. You could add some steak to it and it just takes it to another level. I'm just saying. And so it's, it's you saying something that's not only going to transform your life, that kid's life, but the life of your family because your family understands our family is about the father's business. Our family understands that we don't just talk about loving God, but that we love others the way he loves us. He pursues us. He protects us. He guards us. He brings comfort to us. And you get to do that for kids in the community around where you live. And that's what a safe family does. You know, one of my favorite stories that my mom has shared with me is that when she was um, born, when she was born, um, her mom died giving birth to her. My mom was born in this small little town in Mexico. Um, dirt floors, adobe walls, and my grandmother's placenta fell apart inside of her. So she bled to death. My grandfather gave my mom away to his sister who was unable to conceive with her husband for years. So my mom became her auntie's greatest joy. Within a day of being born, she had a baby. And it was such an incredible gift to her and her husband, which was my mom's uncle right now by marriage. And they raised my mom up. I mean, literally, she, my mom didn't know that her first cousins were her siblings until she was about eight years old and that her uncle was actually her father. But when my mom was born, she was given to a woman who had not given birth. There was no powdered milk. There was nothing to do to feed this newborn baby girl. And there was this woman who two weeks before had given birth to a baby girl. And she sent a little messenger in this little town to my mom's new home with her auntie, which was now her mama. And this little girl said, my mom says that if you bring the baby three times a day, she will give one breast to her. I don't know if you understand what it means to display love to people that you should not have the responsibility to display love to. And what a gift that was to my mom. She may have not survived if she was not given this milk. I wouldn't be here. But this woman cared enough. And then her new dad's father said, here's, he had like two cows. And he goes, I'm going to give you one cow. Because this cow will produce milk for your little girl as she grows. Because what you're doing, people don't do. The body of Christ needs to reflect this picture. A picture that says, I, I love you beyond what is just comfortable and safe and selfish to me. The picture of Christ needs to show a love that is sacrificial the way God showed us. We are to show one another. God saying, love one another as I loved you is not this 
sweet high five, give you a hug kind of love. It's a love that says, there is no greater love than this than one who lays his life down for friends. And maybe these kids that are in safe families are not your friends yet, but they need a friend. And they need to be in a home and in a community that's going to simply say, we want you to experience the love of God because the love of God is pursuing you right now. We get to be a part of God's story in the life of other people. Love. May you never see this word the same way again. May you never say, I love you, God, without understanding the responsibility that we have in receiving his love and giving it to others. May we be his church. And may the government and people of leadership around us be blown away by what this group here can do, even at this new high school, in that community. May they understand that God sees them and he is passionately pursuing them. That he is a God that offers comfort and protection. The God that loves. The God that's not looking to disqualify because of brokenness, but the God who is near when you are hurting. May we be that representation and may we do it well. I want everybody to just bow their heads and close their eyes. And I don't know if you're visiting tonight, today, if you're here visiting for the first or second time, Maybe you've been visiting, but you've just not gotten to the place where you've said, I want to receive the love of God in my life. And you're saying, I'm done fighting, God. God, you, you've pursued me long enough. I'm ready to say yes to you. And if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, can you just squeeze your hand up a little bit and just so that I could see you and I could pray with you? If you're saying, I'm, God, I'm the guy you're talking to. I'm the girl you're talking to right now, God. If you're saying, I am that person, raise your hand up just so that I can pray for you. There's one, another one, yes. Somebody else, another one, three, four, another one. Anybody else who's saying, God, I'm done running from you. I need you in my life. Five. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer. And really, it's not the prayer that's gonna save you. It's really just the sincerity of your heart reaching out to God and saying, I'm ready for you. I'm ready to give you my life. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for trying to do things my way constantly. Forgive me for rejecting you for this long. Forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Begin the work in me so that I might be able to love others the way you love me right now. I believe that you gave your life for me. You laid your life down for me so that we can be friends. And I believe that you rose on the third day from that grave. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. And God, I just pray for every person within the sound of my voice. I pray for your blessing over this house, for the pastors and the leaders of this house, for Megan and, and Carrie, Lord, the gift that they are. God, I pray for Avery and in Brooklyn, Lord, the gift that this family is to the kingdom, the influence that they have as leaders, God, to inspire and encourage other pastors and leaders the way they've done with us. I thank you, God. I pray that this house would be 
just enormously and deeply, continuously blessed to be a blessing to others. And I just pray, Lord, for the movement of safe families in this community and in this church, that there would be those who respond and say, God, I, I'll say yes. I'm going to give this a shot. I mean, I'm crazy. I've never done anything like this. God, those are the most powerful just pivotal moments of life where we're able to see you do things that we would have never seen unless we were obedient to you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this house. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this house. I thank you that we are one in you. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.